this past summer, I had the opportunity to go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And of course, one cannot go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land without visiting Jerusalem. If you've ever visited Jerusalem, you know that it is like no other place on earth. Walking in the old city of Jerusalem is uh, almost an assault on the senses. The fragrant spice shops display bright mountains of spices. Market after market sells everything you can imagine from religious artifacts to t-shirts to everyday items that people who live there need and use. It's overwhelming to walk through the cramped and crowded streets, and it's just as overwhelming to visit the holy sites in the old city. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre, uh, when one walks in, you never know if you're going to find a liturgy going on uh, in Roman, the Roman Catholic Church is leading it, or the Armenian Church. There are so many people worshiping there. It's filled with votive candles and hanging lights and pilgrims lined up to see and touch the venerated holy places. The western wall is much the same with people, tour buses pulling up day and night full of groups of people um, wanting to visit the western wall, this holy, holy site. Jews, Christians, and Muslims find a somewhat uneasy coexistence in the old city because they go about their lives in these very tight quarters as they have done so for centuries. You can see the layers of history and the actual sediment when you visit the archaeological sites, seeing how the times, how Jerusalem reaches back to the time of King David, to the prophets. Uh, under the, you, can, you can visit these sites underneath the ruins of the Temple Mount. This very real place real, very real, is where Isaiah imagines that God's reign on earth will be established. And already you can see glimpses of Isaiah's vision in Jerusalem. It truly feels as if all the nations are streaming there already. Until, of course, you walk past the heavily armed Israeli guard and you remember that we are still very far away from that vision that Isaiah proclaims in the book in his book of in the book of Isaiah, we're still very far from that vision of people beating their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Far from the vision of people not learning or practicing war anymore. Some days it feels as if we are so close to the reign of God, and other days it feels as if we are very, very far from the reign of God. And other days it feels as if those two same things are happening in the, very, in the very same instant. For some of us, this time of year is truly a time of peace and joy, a time to gather with family and friends, to take a few moments. Perhaps you had an opportunity this week to relax in front of a fire, to be with family and friends. Yet at the same time, during this time of year, we find ourselves longing, longing for loved ones no longer with us, longing for simpler times, perhaps in our childhood when we weren't burdened by the weight and responsibility of life. We find ourselves longing for more love, for more light, for less loneliness and brokenness and sadness. 
Karl Barth said that Christians live between the times. We live between the time that Christ came into the world and the time that he will return, establishing his reign of peace and justice on earth forever. During the season of Advent and the darkening winter months, we are invited to consider what it means to live between the times as we prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of, yes, the Christ child into the world, but also for the return of the resurrected Christ. Our reading from Matthew's Gospel today tells us somewhat harshly of our need to prepare for the return of Christ. But in order to prepare, we have to know for what we are preparing. So that's why I love the vision from the book of Isaiah that we are given today. It puts words and images to what sounds like what might otherwise be a scary and sudden event. So let's spend some time with the book of Isaiah today. Isaiah's vision comes from what looks like an ancient popular poem that must have been so familiar to the people of the time that it actually shows up twice in the Old Testament once in the book of Isaiah, but also in the book of Micah, almost word for word, the same poem. In this vision, Jerusalem, the location of the gleaming temple on Mount Zion, will be lifted up. It will be the highest mountain, and people will stream to it. The people of Israel, who at the time when Isaiah was writing, uh, Isaiah complains were rebelling and turning away from God. He says that they will their royalties will return to God, but that all of the nations will be loyal to God. All will go there to worship and to seek God's arbitration and judgment. Their weapons of war and destruction will be turned into instruments of cultivation and abundance, and wars will cease. Everyone will walk in God's light, following God obediently and loyally. This is a vision with God at the center, a vision of hope. This vision of a gleaming city on top of the highest mountain in the center of the world is our vision of heaven. Our vision of God's kingdom is here on earth, a heavenly city, yes, but a real city, as real as the old city of Jerusalem. And notice from Isaiah's description that there is still much to do in this world. There are still disagreements among the nations, but instead of trying to solve conflicts themselves, they go to God's mountain to seek judgment and arbitration. There is work to be done in this world. So many tools are needed to cultivate the land that the instruments formerly used for violence must be melted down and forged for a new purpose, to become plowshares and pruning hooks. On the first Sunday of Advent, we turn our eyes toward this ancient vision of hope, one that we believe will be realized when, that when, it will be realized when Christ returns. Can you imagine Jerusalem as the highest mountain, highest even above Mount Everest? Can you imagine this gleaming city, a beacon of light in the darkness where all people in conflict go to seek God's judgment rather than turning against one another? Can you imagine the temple not as a source of 
contention among Jews and Muslims and Christians, but as a place of worship for all. Can you imagine living in a world in which all of our resources were devoted towards building up God's people instead of destroying and tearing them down? We are between the times, and in between the times it may feel as if we are far, far away from this vision. Perhaps the new Jerusalem sounds naive, or ludicrous, or overly idealistic. But to be a Christian is to believe in the impossible and the ludicrous. After all, the images of our faith include God entering the world through the messiness of childbirth, that same God suffering ridicule on a cross, only to leave the tomb empty and rise from the dead, defeating death and overcoming evil. We have a faith in which we believe in the ludicrous and in the impossible. Lately, my husband Chris keeps telling this story from Winnie the Pooh, and one of the advantages of being a clergy couple is that we get to share material, perhaps advantage or disadvantage, depending on who you talk to. But today, I'd like to share this short quotation from Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh asked Piglet, What day is it, Piglet? And Piglet squeaked, It's today. My favorite day, Piglet replied. All we have is today. Today of all days. Now of all times. Is the time to prepare in hope and expectation for the new Jerusalem a city gleaming on top of the highest mountain. It will be as real as you and me, as real as anything you've ever known. You can't prepare for that day if you can't imagine it. So today, turn your eyes towards this vision of hope. Today, imagine the new Jerusalem. It will be ours. Amen. (laughs) 